It's a new year on the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we talk about the Coen Brothers' first film, Blood Simple. What well, kind of? Wait, it's kind of Blood Simple, or it's kind of the first yeah, it's, film? It's, it's God damn it, Jared. Film. Yeah, it it's kind of the first of the year, I think, is where he's going with that. <laughs> you no trouble. Me, Fifth You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day... You are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Ah, yes. I was wondering what would break first. Your spirit. Oh, your money. And you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. God is dead. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, yes. Mr. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Dead fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. That's hysteria. to the podcast, the movie crew podcast, movie makers, talking movies. We're your hosts. I'm editor Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, cinematographer Jared Callen. Happy New Year, Brian. Finally. We, we, we got here. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> we've, been on a, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus, you know? Gotta, it's been snowing in the middle of the country, you know? Yeah. We'll blame it on the snow. Sure. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. we, we also have with us director of photography, Mike Griggs. Hey, uh, how'd you break that pussy finger? Damn. <laughs> oh, no, no. Never mind. That's fine. That was a different question from a different... Yeah. Wait, that was from later in the movie. That's fine. It's, there's a lot of ice. We've been alone for a while, guys. Okay, we've been Mike. snowed in. Haven't gone anywhere. Just, how you doing? Uh, hey, hello, other humans. Mike, everybody knows that the pussy finger is a different finger than that one. So <laughs> that, that, that one didn't really make much sense. It wasn't. It was an awkward line that I just wanted to bring. Yeah, up. I'm, I'm glad you're here for it. Thanks, Jerry. Until the yeah. sun was out, the those guys is, couldn't you know. see very well. <laughs> whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. I'm not justifying it yet. We also have with us costume designer Kristen Jones. <laughs> uh, hello. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Happy New Year. Just sliding into the new year on uh, you know the, the right note. Tone is important. It is important. Speaking of tone, we're talking about the Coen Brothers. Not the first time we, we we talked about uh what was it Big Lebowski we did Big Lebowski but mm. th- oh, yeah. this is a speaking of tone this is a, this is a nice uh, film noir thriller with even still a little bit of comedy here not as much as I would say some of their other films but still still present it's true no you see a lot of their their personality in this movie for a directorial debut I feel like this is has Coen Brothers written all over it especially with um, the private eye guy. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I had watched this movie and you and I didn't know it was a Coen Brothers movie, I would have been like, who is this, like, 
film school person trying to interpret the Coen brothers. <laughs> like <laughs> the ca- the camera movements and all the little quirky things are what make it feel like the Coen brothers, but those yeah. are also what make it good. Because overall, it's really it's fairly simple and then in the middle when some shit happens, you're like, "Wait, what the fuck? What?" Like like you're like, "Why is this happening?" and and you have a lot of questioning, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it ends so strong that you're like, "Oh, okay. That was that was good." And it doesn't stay too long. I, I love yeah. I love an indie film like this that uh, knows when it's when it's over, you know, and also end with a bang. <laughs> it, it makes it memorable, you know. It's kind of like at the end of Taxi Driver. You're like, oh, okay, we've been through all this shit, right? <laughs> we've gone through we've gone through all this, but we still have a really nice bang at the end that, that we end on that makes the movie memorable. Yeah, this is true, but I feel like for me. The whole time we're going through this, I'm like, if you guys would just communicate with each other. <laughs> no! <laughs> yep. Holy shit! Yeah. Yep. We don't have to go through any of this, actually. <laughs> Use your words, people. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I like you. I like you too, but uh, I happen to have uh, murdered your ex-husband. <laughs> God, he says I love you for the first time over the phone after burying her husband. Alive. Well, I mean, Mike, you, you pretty much would have. Okay, so if he's like, "Fuck, I, I must love her." Like, cause I, I just had this instant like reaction, right? Where I was like, holy shit, she killed this guy. And I need to like, you know, get rid of the body and go through all this shit. And like even having to, oh shit, he's still alive. I have to kill him. Fuck. You better love her, bro. Like if you didn't love her, like what the fuck? Red flags. Bro, there's red flags everywhere, man. (laughs) I mean, that's the entire Coen brothers shtick though, isn't it? Like all these, all of your characters always are just red flag people like left and right with terrible communication. (laughs) <laughs> Terrible communication. Yeah, it's a little frustrating when uh, when when the bar guy. What, what's what, what's his name? Ray. That's right. When Ray comes in to see Abby, and like after he's buried the husband, that is a that's a frustrating moment. He doesn't say anything. He just fucking he just goes like, in and sits in a chair for yeah, a fucking twelve you're welcome. hours. You're fucking welcome. And she's like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, when she what? when she asks him though, she's like, "I don't know what I don't know what the fuck you're talking about." Like it, it seems to me like at that point. That's when he has his realization. The, yeah. yeah. That's when you would say it, right? But he doesn't. He And I know they try Men to play it off in like, the script. You know, expressing their feelings. Yeah. And they, they're trying to play it off the script like, oh, she, it's because she's a hussy and he, she may have another uh, man about town. So he didn't want to mess that up. So he's just not going to say anything and leave quietly or something. They're trying to uh, – that's what they're trying to do. You think that was it? Yeah, that's what they're trying to justify it with, right? Yeah, because the husband came in and was like, oh, yeah, when she says this thing and then that thing, that's probably because she's fucking someone else because that's what she said to me, right? And then she says it to him and she and he's like, oh, no. Maybe there's a third guy, and I'm the other other guy. Really? Did you think he thought that? Because oh, I thought I was like, I was like, really? Okay, because that that line felt so like baseless that we didn't have any call on that. We never see them have that conversation where she's like, "Well, I'm fucking some other, you know, some other." No, other no, no. Guy. It's, no, it was she's just, not actually doing it. Yeah. It's right. He right. just thinks that. Okay. It was because it was because of of the lie that the husband put into his brain when he was like, "Yeah, and this is what she'll probably say," because he's obviously also trying to play him because he's pissed at her and trying to hurt oh, him, knowing that she's that he's fucking his wife, you know, all that shit. Yeah, it, she gets that phone call at the end of that conversation in that apartment, and then <laughs> you know, uh, I guess it's it's supposed to be the private detective. It's supposed to be right. It's totally him. Oh and yeah, she yeah, thinks yeah. She, she thinks, thinks it's that Marty. it's it's. 
Julian Marty. What a weird name. Like, like, like you can't do firsty firsty uh, in, in films because we don't get time to like really learn these characters. So when you say Julian and you say Marty, I'm like, who the fuck is, who the fuck's Marty? Like right, I thought his right. name was Julian. Like, what are we talking about here? That's not Marty. But also like when Marty and, Ray, excuse me, when Julian and, and Ray, um, have a little like meeting uh, around the bug zapper, uh, and we have the, the the dumpster fire in the distance. Oh the my god, the literal dumpster fire! <laughs> yep, yep. Um, the, he ends up throwing away the fucking his jacket and like the the the, the bloody like towel in there. Why didn't he just throw the dude's body in that? And I have this was thinking with? the same fucking thing. Like, why was he so fine with? <laughs> it's so obvious, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that is like part of the. I mean, that's why it's titled Blood Simple, right? They're just making a bunch of stupid fucking mistakes, you know? It's like, how could these idiots. Is that what Blood Simple means? Yeah. Well, hold okay. on. Because that, that's what I, the. Um, what's your jigger? The private eye says. It even says, like, oh, I got money simple later. I, uh, oh, okay. I did recently for unrelated and perfectly legal reasons was looking at how to burn a body. <laughs> And I love this okay. Oh my god! <laughs> Thank you for the context. Continue. And so, actually, you cannot like if you put a body into just like like a, a dumpster fire like that. Um, it will take hours and hours and hours, and you can't just do it. And and it like it won't just happen automatically. Like oh you know, wow, yeah. So and and also the smell will travel. So it's probably a good thing that he didn't do it. Um, the incinerators that you use to burn at like like at a crem- crematorium those. Are, have much higher temperatures and it still takes wow. them like a fair amount of time just not as much as like an actual fire would you still got all the bone and all that Holy shit. It's, it's a deal but even even his disposal method is really poorly chosen because he goes into a freshly plowed field freshly plowed field like he just drives up into the fucking middle of it like yeah, the farmers like, aren't leave, gonna notice him there let's leave tracks a, Digs a shallow ass grave. It's the most. It's the thing. He's like, <laughs> it, like his face is like an inch or two yeah. under the fucking. Yeah. Like, like really, we're gonna find this guy when we come out here and till or like, right, play. right. Like, you know, like, we like just no one's rows. Like the fucking farmer's not gonna wake up and be like, man, who is doing Son donuts in my goddamn field? Oh, look, there's a newly dug hole. Cool. I guess that's you know, gophers again, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just not good planning. Well, he, I mean, yeah, again, he didn't really plan it, but he could have spent longer digging the grave. Like, if it was my affair partner and uh, he thought that I killed somebody, I would want him to do a better job hiding the body because <laughs> I just feel like this is very sloppy, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Including the uh, bleeding onto the back seat that <laughs> that apparently soaks through like three fucking towels because it's so deep into the seat. Like but hours later, it's yeah. still that wet to go through towels. I'm talking about like 10, 15 hours oh, later. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's go back up into the seat. Not let's like absorb in the entire seat. Let's let's just go back into the towel. I, I appreciate the awesome visual shot. Yeah, storytelling that they do. It, it is. is. It is. It like, is. like, like, there, there's like a, there's, there's a hokey fucking like otherworldliness to some of this stuff that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like Cohen Brothers holes at the end and all this kind of stuff. It, it's, it's a little storybooky, but it, you know, it's cool. It, it it's, is. It uh, actually reminded me of the scene from Macbeth where she's uh, has hallucinating the blood on her hands. Oh, I can see that. Oh yeah, she she can't Out get her hands spot. clean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. No, one hundred percent. That is assumed. that is exactly what it is homaging for sure. Yes. Okay. No, yeah. all right. I like it even more now. There you go. <laughs> oh, well, I actually. So that was my first <laughs> reference, but I was like, you didn't really. It could have been better. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, this is where I'm like, oh, it's like a film school person, like trying uh, to make it like the you know, the Coen Brothers. I, this whole thing is full of really badass like camera movement. Like you know, e- even like one of the first things we see is like the like following the bartender's feet. Like like the dude, and, there's and so many feet like in this though. 
I'm sorry. There's I, almost I, hey, too many feet. I love the fine. feet shots. I really do. It's like fine. the feet climbing over the bar, the feet scooting around. The little shuffle and, that he does in the bar. Yeah. And it goes off. Yeah. Dude, the, but the feet getting like dragged across the room. Like they, they oh, rely so much on like feet. Here's, here's some, here's a character's progression because of feet. Yeah. But they're really good at doing inserts, man. Like, like that. Yeah. Think, think about the shot where you have the, um, the the newspaper flying in and this really great moment where they're building tension and then you have this like kind of like slower shot of the newspaper hitting the door and then when she steps out we do an insert of the newspaper and she steps over it but the beat and the flow of that like they're they're like they can masterfully build moments which really shines even in this film yeah yeah they understood their tone way back then yeah did anybody see the uh the original cut of this the actual 99 minute cut no no, a, a Criterion is what the one I saw. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's the one they have on HBO Max. That one's actually three minutes shorter. It's like 96 minutes. And my Blu-ray from like 2000. Ooh, what they cut out? What's the extra three minutes? Uh, I don't know. I, from what I understand it, they just cut it down to shorten it. Make, just make it flow better. Like, they didn't actually cut a scene out. They mm. trimmed up their edits. Those are real filmmakers right there. They're like... Dude. It's yeah, just a little long. when when you're like I can I can trim three minutes and just cut the fat and make it smoother and faster. Like I I fucks with that man. You'd never get a director's version that's shorter. <laughs> like like oh wait no I thought we were gonna add another forty five minutes to this. I want my definitive vision. They're like right right. Well, I want those six extra scenes that I decided yeah. in in the cut that I didn't actually need, but I want to put them back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that makes sense. You know if you're if you're selling it, you wouldn't be like yes, and we cut more of the movie out you see less film buy a new edition guys <laughs> you know uh, it just flows better guys trust us we'll, we'll like it i promise <laughs> yeah I, general population i can see them not uh, buying that no i do know that they, they painted out some uh dolly track and um oh really some people some people and stuff that they caught and some underwear underwear yeah apparently uh john uh gertz or what's his name gets or uh, the guy from the fly Ray, whatever his name is, Ray. Uh, when he got up, like uh, in, in one of the shots when he, he's supposed to be naked, I think is, is it in the hotel? It's in the hotel or one of the bedrooms. He was wearing his underwear and he wasn't supposed to be. Oh, and they caught his ass. Yeah. Um, did anybody huh. else feel like? Or they didn't catch his ass. Young, young <laughs> Christian Bale out of this guy. Ew, no, mm. what? No, sir. Actually, really? just the way really? he like holds I his face. See it. Yeah, his yeah. face in his face, right? Like Yeah, in the in his facial acting. Like I was thinking like, yeah. even the way like, you know, in some of that uh, American psycho shit where he's like because there's a lot of like just uh, reacting okay. in this movie, no, yeah. no no dialogue at times, and it's yeah. just this dude's like face and he always has his mouth slightly open and I'm like mm-hmm. this I'm just getting like Christian Bale vibes out of this guy. Yeah, I can see that actually. Yeah. I I feel like I would have resonated with that, except I was so distracted by all the goddamn fucking country music in this. Guys, I forgot how much the Coen brothers like country music. It was it was difficult for me to get over in this. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Well, the main song wasn't a, a country song. The one they kept going to the jukebox that was a it's like a Motown sounding song. Yeah, but there was it's a, the same old a lot song. Of country Rambling. music. And I was just like, oh okay, yeah. Was it? Man. I thought that stuff was pretty it's cool. It's a vibe, uh, uh, Mike. You know, I thought that I thought that like the tribal thing, kind fine. of like yeah. shit that they kept going to was really neat. Like like think 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 about when when they're doing like the 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 shaky cam uh you know camera on a board like running through like Evil Dead up to them like that weird fucking tribal beating heavy drum shit very like unsettling and weird feeling. You when know, was this? That you wouldn't go to. It's when it's when um, it's when uh, Julian Marty like shows up at the at her house and like attacks her. Like you get the like these like drums and like kind of tribal sounding. Are you talking about the 
and and the end of the movie. Yeah, it's which, which she breaks his finger. No, it's at the beginning. Yeah, it's toward the it's like, toward it's the beginning. Like, it's, it's the scene where she breaks his finger. Before he hires, the and he, he's like, he's like, we, need, uh, we should take this out into nature, and he like pushes her outside. <laughs> That's such a weird. And they line. do this weird like oh, fucking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you say nature because the fucking drums are going. <laughs> I do all my murder in my spouse's outside. You need to get this outside. <laughs> you don't murder your spouse indoors. Yeah, we, need knows the, that. we need the neighbors to see this. <laughs> what? Okay, dude. Yeah, that was the part of the movie where I was like, "Oh, this is like real early Coen Brothers." Okay, they they're they're trying to figure themselves out. It was really it was by the 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 final. Once the, once they get into the the climax in the movie, that's where the the true Cohen brothers shines through. But that that early setup bit was like, okay, they're trying to figure out how to like do these things because they know where they want their characters to go. They know what they want their characters to do. But it, I, I felt a few times their their uh, their youth, if you will, before Which they learn cool, how to polish their shit. Dude, all their all their transitions and their camera movement stuff just feels neat. It's, oh, it's the transitions are fucking amazing. Going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, they you know, know how to pace the thing for sure. You can feel the horror movie roots in this for but sure. Like, like Francis McDormand when she goes from the bar and she lays back in the in the bed. Did that not remind you of the exact moment when oh, like the that, psychiatrist gets oh, his dude. dick grabbed yes. in The Exorcist and he falls back and he's like, ah, I, it was the entire time I was yep. watching that shot. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. that's where they ripped that off from. Yep, hundred percent. It works so well, dude. Especially with that odd, like dissonant score, like like yeah. like making these like simple piano notes that would like resolve in these like very uncomfortable tones, mm-hmm. and it, it just really makes those moments. It just really like hits it. But also, like I was thinking, like on my second viewing, uh, when Julian Marty is at the bar, and like after the bartender like walks across the bar, and he goes down and he's talking to this girl who has way too big teeth for her mouth. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> but uh, it, it like. Marty hits on her. Yeah. So what? What's it like? You know, is, is he doesn't really seem like he's too. I, I know he knows that that you know that he's being cheated on at this point. But I think it's an interesting play on his character. He's like, what, what are you doing later tonight? You know, to her. I was like, ah. So he, he's no matter what, he's also a sleazeball. They just set that. No, up I, I think that's the moment when when they solidify it for you. Whereas up to that point, they kept it kind of like, well, maybe she is the bitch and she's just cheating because she wants to be. And this right. is the moment where you're like, no, this dude's a fucking tool. And yeah. whatever he gets is he deserves. But that's all their characters. Again, this is this is Coen Brothers through and through. They have always apparently because this movie is showing it. They've always had this. Everyone in here is not going to be a person you like. You're you're going to watch them and you're going to you're going to be intrigued by their decision making. But you might not be able to relate with them because they're all total tools. It's kind of like you don't want to like really root for him though. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like like you know like okay, we're watch. You, you obviously don't want to see someone get murdered, but. <laughs> Cool. Like, like. <laughs> I don't know that you really root for anybody. I mean, honestly, the yeah. person I yeah. came closest to even kind of liking and being intrigued by was the the cowboy. <laughs> Um, the detective guy, the detective, Emmett Walsh, the cold yeah, murderer, because he, he's <laughs> because he's at least funny. At least yeah. he's funny. He is funny, and I'm like, okay, he's I don't mind like shit. watching like, you on screen. I guess you can stay around the longer than anybody. It's because he's chewing up every th- every line. Yeah. He's actually playing. Everybody else is playing it way too serious, yeah. and he's he's so laid back and playing a character. Like all all the fucking like. Um, Ray stuff. I don't like his like deliveries and and his like low talking like yeah, this. Like what are you fuck trying to be Clint Eastwood, bro? Like like <laughs> yeah, you're trying to play exactly you're trying to play what Clint Eastwood how Clint Eastwood would play this. Like like no motherfucker, be yourself. Or maybe they were like maybe you should play this like fucking Clint Eastwood. But I don't know, you're not fucking Clint Eastwood, bro. You don't hit it. 
Everybody else is pretty solid, but he's kind of lacking to me in this. I don't know. Was that him trying to do like Texas accent? They all lean on accents. Yeah, at the time. a little you know, too much. Yeah. Earlier much. in the movie, oh, Frances McDormand's yeah. like, oh, oh, this is so terrible. She's so bad. Right. <laughs> I just kept thinking about like you, her right? fucking Minnesota accent, <laughs> fucking goddamn uh, Fargo, and how perfect that is. I was like, oh, this is just yeah. so much early in her career. <laughs> yeah. It's like her first movie, right? Uh, yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's the first uh, lead performance, at least. Yeah, she did good. She looks great. No, yeah, yeah. she does look great. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Wow. Yeah, that is her actual first movie. That's pretty crazy. That's wild. All right, we'll let her. We'll let her accent go then. <laughs> Room to grow, right? <laughs> she got better. She's won some Oscars, hasn't she? Yeah, I think she won for Fargo, and then she. One for no man, yeah, no man, no mad, no no man land. No I'm man pretty land. sure she won. Yeah, it just seems like these guys were like, okay, this is our chance to make movies, so we should do every cool thing that we can think of. <laughs> because they even do a really, really neat like night into night into day. Oh yeah, yeah. lock off yeah. shot, which that tilts down at the end of it too. No, with it, it, light it, moving and shit. I, I watched like it, it multiple times. It, yeah. It's only it's it's a single. It's a single. It's it, it's a static cut. It makes you think it moves, but it doesn't uh, because they land into it and then they uh, they t- you're right. They tilt out of it, don't they? Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. But but in the uh, Brian sent this really cool like uh, interview with Barry Sonnefeld uh, and the uh, and the directors. They said they did that at like like day into night and they reversed it. But if they did that. How did they get that shot where she steps out and walks walks out of the shot and it pans over? Like is she walking backwards and land? You can't do that. Maybe so I don't know if they... maybe they shot. Wait the a minute! No, she she, she just in... she just gets up to it and then they fade. Right? She she walks out and then they fade. No, no, she, no so... and they fade. They dissolve into another shot of her walking down the hall. They don't move the camera, guys. I'm telling you that like Mike's right. The camera moves at the end of the shot, so yeah. the camera's locked off. She she it, it cuts and she's in a like little, a she's she's thing. in a medium like shot. Yeah, and then she lays down and like he his hand comes up and pulls her in, into the into yeah. the frame right down out of the frame. Then we then we have our like change today, yes. and then she pops up into the frame, and then as she gets up, it pans pans down into the left as she yeah. walks out. But it plays really well, and, and like all all of their transitionary stuff, getting to where they're going to get the scenes where where we have our talking heads, is is really really cool, especially for the fucking budget and and the time that they did this. Yeah, it's just maximizing creativity. Like we only have so many shots, and we only have so many locations. Like, let's do some fucking shit interesting. And I think that's where the Coen Brothers stuff just shines through, and it feels like yeah, these guys are gonna fucking do something after this. Even the opening with, uh, did you guys notice that the uh, that the text that comes up as the windshield, this really long ass fucking back, back, uh, behind the heads shot uh, so in, a, in a car? So it, It's long. super boring. But like, uh, so so you get bored and you're watching everything in the fucking frame. Well, yep. the text is popping up, and the, as the windshield wipers go, they wipe the text away. I do not know how they did yep. that. Uh, it looks really cool. It's subtle. I would imagine it's not that different than like transitions that are doing like opticals is always where they're wiping things. They're just right. wiping the text part away. The text away. Yep. Yeah. And Frances McDormand also won an Oscar for uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, yeah. Which there were also three billboards that were not orange, but they were red when uh, Dan Hedaya is being buried in this film. I also thought that was kind of weird. Movie. <gasps> right. It's the same three billboards. <laughs> those were, those were people who, uh, who put money into the film, and that was their way of repaying them. 
or at least giving them a credit. Oh no, it was it was one of the producers that like wanted his names up there, right? He was like he's like I want my names in those billboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah I need yeah. my name in the movie. Yeah. You hear me? I'm gonna give you this five thousand dollars, <laughs> and I want my name in the movie. <laughs> They they raised like uh, like half a million dollars on on just like five thousand dollar ten thousand dollar donations yep. as much yep. as they could get, which is insane. That's amazing. I just want to know. Where, I just want to know where they got the additional two hundred thousand dollars to finish it. I guess once you get so far, you can weasel your way into the rest of it. I mean, yeah, I guess. Speaking of money, I looked it up. The guy uh, offered him ten thousand dollars to kill two people. That's uh, thirty thousand dollars today. Not bad. What a bargain. She's got that money lying around. That's not even a car. Like that, It's that, in a safe. That 10000 can get you a car in, in 84 <laughs> or 85, right? You can't, you, you, if you, 30000 now, you couldn't get a, like a whole brand new, like like a nice car. No. He said, uh, he's like, uh, you know, over in Russia, they make 50 cents a day. That's a dollar, <laughs> that's a dollar and 51 cents in today's money. <laughs> I didn't really understand what they were. I think his math was probably off. I didn't understand what they were trying to say with the whole uh, Russia. Why we keep bringing up communism and in this very weird like crime world that we're in. And then like when I was listening to um, the commentary, the Cohen brothers were like, "Yeah, I don't understand why everybody got into this political uh, social message here with this Russia stuff." You know, why do people latch on to this? You had a whole whole ass character was just saying that like every other fucking line in your entire movie. What are you talking about? The way they talk about it is they don't they're just writing cool sentence dialogue, yeah. right? And then they they don't really care about a like political or a social stance on anything. They just want to make cool movies and you can get what you want out of it or not. We're just doing what we thought was cool and funny or whatever. Uh like <laughs> cool man, I'm glad you got something out it of it. It does make me uh I don't know, but <laughs> Just listen to that. You're like, we didn't know what we're doing. We're just right? doing yeah, it. You know? it, it. It does make you like, ooh, I don't know if I respect you guys as writers as much anymore. <laughs> oh. Let's just get it done. Why are we talking about Russia? I don't know. You know, I was reading a, a Newsweek article at the time. It just seemed good. People talk about Russia, right? <laughs> I mean, it was the 80s. Wasn't Russia like? Yeah, it was. In the news all the time. It's well, the same now. You can put that line in a movie now and people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is true. It's cyclical. It'll come back around. Uh, speaking of coming back around, why don't we take a break? We're going to play the trailer for the Coen Brothers' Blood Simple. We'll be right back. What I know about is Texas. Down here, you're on your own. Oh. Hey, what's it? Your husband. I got a job for you. It's not strictly legal. You want me to kill him? Ray, let's get out of here. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Funny, it's if it's not you she's sleeping with, it's someone else. What's really gonna be funny is when she gives you that look and says, I don't know what you're talking about.
He looks stupid now. And we're back. That was the trailer for the Coen Brothers Blood Simple. Now, Brian, you did a fake out because that is a trailer for the Coen Brothers, and I do like that trailer, but that's not the trailer. Um, I did a, think it's funny. a restoration trailer. Yeah, it's funny when it says that all new 4K restoration, and I was like, <laughs> does it have all these little blocks in it? Because the version we just watched is really low res, <laughs> and I was like, that's what it looks like when you <laughs> get the 4K of Blood Simple. I love how the debut movie also is like from the director of other movies that you've probably actually seen. <laughs> well, you, like, have you actually heard of this movie besides you know this podcast? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, I've I've always heard about this movie as their first movie, but I I don't know that I've ever been like, you know what, I want to watch the first thing that the Coen Brothers ever hey, did. Hey, you know, I, I actually can't believe that uh, you know I, I wasn't super excited about seeing this because I was like, okay, cool, because mostly most times people's first films are kind of shit, but um, it made me want to make movies again. Mm. I always want to always want to make movies, but like like I watching mean, watching the behind the scenes and like these guys talking about it and the, and like the shit it. that they do absolutely and, and yeah. like just researching this and and like the, just the, the struggle that they go through. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like, like you know, I I, I see. I see me in it, but they're just like, you know, obviously way luckier and way better than me. But, um, you know, it, it was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, I kind of felt that filmmaker's bug again, watching the behind the scenes on this. Yeah, some of it's about the luckiness. Some of about some of it is about the, the talent and the skill and just the, the right time in the right place. But goddamn, man, anybody can make something that's I mean, Barry Sonnenfeld workable. shot this. He's also an amazing director, but this was the first thing he'd ever, like, shot. You know, so it's really interesting. He, he, he was, this he was wasn't the first corp- thing he'd shot. Yes, it was. He was doing corporate videos and stuff like that, and this was his first feature. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, I saw some music videos and shit. But, yeah, he had a couple things that he's like, I've seen that, and I'm going to do that a few times. Like, every time they're on an exterior scene with, like, a road, he's got one fucking HMI just, like... Just doing the best he can. Cutting across. <laughs> like... Like you, no well, you, you see them, right? Like literally, no sense. There's no yeah. motivation like for it. it. There's no reason for it to be there, but you just yeah. kind of accept it because this is what it's supposed to look like. It's interesting to hear him talk about it. He's like, "Well, you know, uh, if 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 we were to make this movie uh, today, uh, we could make it for way more money, and it would probably be <laughs> any better. We could yeah. make it make it for way more money. I absolutely could see them yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This probably wouldn't uh, cover his craft budget on his." Uh... <laughs> Oh, can you imagine <laughs> his last five movies? <laughs> Jesus. But you know, I think that's that's what I love about the Coen Brothers is is that they write for their budgets. If there's one thing that that feels consistently said about them and their movies that they have worked on is that that they know how much they get to spend and then they write appropriately to make those things maximized. Like they don't they don't write shit to be bombastic and huge and massive when they have a million dollars to work with. They just they write interesting characters who are doing interesting things, and they find ways to make that work within the the amount of money that they can raise for it. And when they have the capacity and the budget to, you know, let's bring a crane in for this shot, they make it worth it for the sake of the shot. Or they or they or they have that shot idea, and instead of a fucking crane, they use a cherry picker, like 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 a scissor lift, like like yeah. the the, sh- the shot yeah. the shot at the phone booth where they're like they they're, they're craning down. That is a scissor lift coming down and <laughs> landing right at the at the shot and actually after i heard that when you look at it you can see the scissor lift in the uh, reflection of the film <laughs> but you know what it, it, it feels fine like you know because there's, there's weird little handheld stuff the, the the shot 
Mike, the shot where they're going over the bar and they go over the patron who's like passed yeah. out. Yeah. That's that, that's a dolly track that's off on the right side of the bar, and they got a, they just took a two by four and they like attached it to the dolly on, on the on the craning on the on the hydraulic part. And yeah. uh, no, apparently they they had a hydraulic dolly. Uh, they so they did have a little bit of money there, but they were like extending off of the dolly with like weights on counterweighting on one side. Uh, like there were sometimes where they're like on hills and stuff, and they were having to like do pulleys and do weighted bags and stuff, so the so the, the camera amazing. wouldn't roll off the hill. They're yeah. having to like do a lot of really cool rigging, and a lot of it is wood. It's very very interesting, and and they don't have playback on any of this shit. Just imagine that you can't go back and watch it to see if we got it. Did we get it? I hope so. Moving on. Well, that's why they did. <laughs> that's why you did dailies back in the day. That's what you would do before you would go. You know, either that night when you were done, or before the next day, you would go watch your dailies, watch everything you shot. And because they're in a different location now, they would watch dailies and they'd be like, "Fuck, we need an insert here." So they would go out and, and to where they are there and reshoot the insert shot without showing the background, like shooting up at the sky or something like that. So a lot of this movie was shot in multiple locations and then cut into each other to make work because they were like, fuck, we need this beat, and we didn't get it. Hmm. It's super impressive. When you know about like, all the little things, you're like, wow, that you would never, ever notice. Like, the, like the, the, the burying scene happened in three locations. Oh, I could totally see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there was yeah. there was definitely some shots in that one where you're like, all right, well, clearly they decided they needed this insert on his face, and let's let's shoot up at him a few times. And there was some of those where you're like, yeah, no, I I see them building the shoot for the sake of the edit, or maybe getting into the edit and realizing they needed an extra shot or two. Yeah, they did all the stuff with uh with Dan uh with uh Julian Marty down in Texas, and then like the actual throwing dirt on the face and everything uh like the wider shot was joel no that was ethan cohen ethan cohen yeah ethan's the, the same person <laughs> Fuck. one has good teeth the other doesn't um <laughs> one's actually uh listed as the director on this even though on joel IMDb is listed as both. the director but yeah, yeah. yeah ethan on, on is credit. listed as producer joel's yeah. always been first joel's always the director he's always listed yeah. that way it's always joel and ethan cohen yeah ethan always gets producer credit and they share the writing credit don't know why they agreed to that, but... Hey, man, you know, just get it done. Sure. I mean, it, <laughs> you watch the behind the scenes, it looks like they're both directing to me, you know? Well, that's what I appreciate about their later things, is is that they seem to have somehow come to an, an agreement on what the, the, the director credit could be. The Coen brothers. In fact, I haven't... Aren't they responsible for, like, an alteration in the way that the, the Directors Guild can give credits? Oh, or I... Or am I just... I have no idea. That up. Well, isn't that why they're labeled the Cohen brothers? Because they can't both be listed? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like I've heard some level of something that, like, before the two of them were doing things that the guild was like, no, you have a director. And they're like, well, we're two people and we're both fucking directing it. So figure it out. Oh, and so that's when they came up with the Cohen brothers? Something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, when, when did they start? I mean, they don't use that though uh, for their movie credits, right? I didn't see I don't that. Know. That's kind of what I'm asking. Yeah, I think I think they always, I think they always. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not speaking definitively. I'm saying I feel like I heard a thing, and is that true? Does that resonate with anyone else? Is it? Just I think me? I no. I think I've heard that too because the uh, the who is it? This this the siblings that did the Matrix was, was the same. Oh yeah, yeah. Issue yeah. with them. But, that's, but that, I don't know if it's true. That's that's different though, because they were like on the Matrix. They were they're credited as the Wachowski brothers. That's how that first film is credited, right? 
Well, I think the question is, is in their newer stuff, are they credited as the Coen brothers? Uh, I don't know. Well, their their last movie, Macbeth, um, I did see that, but only Joel. Macbeth was just Joel. Just Ethan Joel wasn't Joel. even yeah. Ethan and, wasn't yeah. even involved and in it. That was wasn't a them man. movie. That was a Joel movie, and, and that's where I find it different because he was like, "All right, now I'm finally getting a sole director's credit," and I'm like, "That's kind of interesting." But you guys have been directing together for like 30 years, so wow. I didn't see the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I know that's on Netflix. Uh, I need I to get off my ass. Yeah, I yeah. tried, but it just, it didn't get me. I couldn't get through and the first one. <sighs> too much country music. I can't do it. I can't remember Hell Caesar, but <laughs> Hell Caesar was fun. Okay, no, they're they're listed as written and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So that's how they're listed out for Hell Caesar. Now I don't know when they when did they start doing that. Because they didn't do that for No Country for Old Men. Because uh, didn't Joel Cohen win the Oscar for that? For directing? The Oscars that were, you know, like you were alive for in your lifetime Oscars. Those are the ones that are the hardest to fucking remember. Like who won <laughs> what shit. Because they haven't just been established for all time. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that, yeah that's probably yeah. true. Well, my internet's <clears throat> being a whore, so I can't even look it up right now. Did anyone else find it weird that... Um... This guy, Ray, does not have curtains on his house, and he likes to have uh, his master bedroom on the front of the house where he has sex with his girlfriend, where everybody can see. And then at the end, there's a scene where he's worried about a room not having curtains. I was like, dude, let's get it figured out. No, no, no. He's clearly worried about... Other things yeah. in the last scene. He has blinds oh, yeah. in his house. Like, I love how every single bedroom, time there's... His bedroom, bro, is just wide open with <laughs> windows. Uh... Yeah. How old are these people supposed to be? Because I feel like if he's in his early 20s, then that tracks. I don't know. Yeah. If, if he's supposed to be in his early 20s, then high schoolers are 37. I mean, like, he's... Okay, but <laughs> they used to cast like that, so yeah. I know, that's possible. what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I'm not sure. Mrs. They Robinson, definitely strike are you trying me to seduce like me? 30s, I'm 30 so. years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kristen, what'd you think about the costumes? Because they did not have a costume designer. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I obvious. think that was pretty obvious. Yes, the only <laughs> um, person whose outfit I could, again, appreciate was the cowboy guy. And Matt um, Walsh. And I will say, I, I'm assuming this was on purpose, but did you guys notice how he always had bugs on him? I Dude, liked that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Like those, in the interview that fucking we watched, fly floating around. No, the, but they, even the, in the first. It just happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was okay. just random. He was just a stinky dude. No, I wow. think. <laughs> I think wow. that. Surely not. Even in the first scene when he's sitting in the car, uh, there's like a bug clinging to his hair. Oh my God, seriously? <laughs> yeah. And it's just kind of chilling on his hair, like, and it kind of moves every so often. And Holy I was like, shit. it's kind of cool that, like, you know, the heart, death has <laughs> bugs. He's got a bug in, in he's, he's a, got a bug on him and he's in a bug. Uh, Mike, did you, oh, Mike, that's you, true. Uh, that's true. All, that's true. All the interior yeah. stuff in that car was actually after the sun had set. So they shot that behind the shoulder, uh, and then like the dancing titty girl in the in the from the with the flashing lights on the breasts in the in the rearview mirror. And then when they did the turnaround, that was at night, and so they kind of replicate everything. Yeah, there were some of those in the car things. You could definitely tell, like, all right, here's the first half of the shoot, and here's the second part where yeah. they're trying to do other things. Yeah, the o- the opening stuff in the car where like that opening sequence where it's like fucking raining like 
goddamn hell and you can't see anything. And then apparently they stop and immediately the rain has completely ended when they're having a conversation. That kind of bothered me from the jump. Like all the car stuff is is where I feel the low budget, honestly. Because yeah. like you, you see them doing like the the here we we just we put a camera on the front of a vehicle and we drove for fucking hours and here's all the times we where we need to see where the car's going quote unquote but where those were just, planned though yeah. like actually they, I don't think that they did bracketing like like that where they were just shooting I think that they because the the, the time of day matches and, and also I think it's super ballsy to be super low budge like today we wouldn't do that if we would have had that car scene we would have set that during the middle of the day because we knew it was daytime you know and we're trying we need to shoot this all out so it has the time but they were ballsy enough to to know that they wanted that like sunset shot to establish the scene that they knew that by the time that they got interior of the car they're going to have to start replicating light but they said fuck it we want this opening shit that looks so good because this is the time of day to shoot it but it's going to take way longer and they were ballsy enough uh, to fucking actually try to replicate it. It ain't perfect, but you know what? I, it, it works. Well, that's that's the stuff where, like, I see it now where they're like, oh, they could have shot this one fucking establishing shot and then done the rest with, like, not just in, like, an LED volume. Like, let's let's say it's an actual low-budget thing where they could have done it rear projection and just had, like, here's the sense of the color behind them and then they're just changing, like, one or two lights. But... Obviously, this being 40 fucking years ago, it is kind of impressive that it, it, it looks as close as it does where, you know, us with filmmaking brains and we understand what it takes to make light work like that over the course of a three-hour scene shoot. This works pretty well. It, yeah. It's interesting to hear them freaking out about, like, they didn't know if they were getting it because they were having to shoot wide open. And what's really interesting is because they're shooting wide open on, I'm going to guess, uh, standard speeds, they have a uh, triangle bokeh. So they were using yep. three-blade iris yep. uh, old-school like uh, lenses, and they looked really, really neat. Especially the dumpster fire with the triangle bokeh looks really, really cool. I think they were shooting on Zeiss Super Speeds is what I saw on IMDb. Ah, there we go. There we go. They were the OG ones, though, with the three blades. Three-blade iris. Looks cool. Yeah, on a 35BO, I think, is the camera choice on this. Aeriflex. I did not like the daytime green, though. Nighttime green, very sexy. Daytime green, very ugly. Really? <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll agree, yeah. I, yeah. I just felt yeah. like it was part That's of fair. the world, you know? Like it, it just it dated the movie to me. It wasn't bugging me. I was like, okay. It this dated the movie in a way that did not help. It didn't serve the movie. You can it, barely see it on HBO the budget Max. On those. You yeah. watch the Blu-ray, you can see it. You can fucking see it. <laughs> It's I feel like the grain just made it kind of dirty and grungy and yeah, yeah it's daytime, but is it because none of these people have anything <laughs> going for them? You know, it might as well be always nighttime, always bad things happening. And so I, it didn't, you're right, it didn't look great, but I also think it worked for the film. Yeah, no, love the nighttime stuff. I think that helps. During the daytime yeah. stuff, it does make it, it makes it look low budget because it's like, why do we have grain during day in the whites? Yeah. Come yeah. on. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. But yeah, the nighttime stuff looks so amazing. I think I really enjoyed the final scene, the climax scene, be- just so just good. because of the way they shot it. Like, I can't believe that was his first time shooting a feature because it looked incredible. The pacing of that scene and just that, like I said earlier in the podcast, finish strong, man. No matter what you do, yep. especially in low budget. Yep. If yep. you can leave us going like, whoa, holy fuck. Like yep. that ending scene ends so fucking strong. That fucking knife going into the hand. Oh, in the my close God. Ups, oh, it, it's like, oof. even after I knew how they did it, 
and I went back and watched it again, it's still I still get that feeling like holy shit. You're talking it, about the visceral. whole the whole ending stuff the whole, the, in yeah. the apartment. Yeah, the yeah, last yeah. the last fifteen minutes of this movie are fucking killer. I thought you were talking about when the PI looks up at the the water drain and like how that oh, is. Oh no 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 yeah. no that that's that that's a, I love I love how poignant that is. I love I'm talking that. about the whole. Yeah. No, that's so. What a cool fucking. I think everything ending. else before that is this fucking slasher movie tropes, bro. I it's mean, so perfect, though, on. bro. I love it. No, come it's, on, bro. It's great. Like, it's like, great, but I don't ever want to hear you guys give me shit about slasher movies. These guys, that's what they're. That's exactly what they're ripping off. Horror. Yeah, films. but it's so good, man. It was. It's so good. Like, how long are these, are these guys' arms, by the way? Like, with him reaching around, but then like, trying to punch his way through. I mean, just that whole moment is so good, Brian. It, it, it is, but it would it would be better if Blade Runner hadn't come out before this, which is pretty much <laughs> the same fucking thing, only way better. Yeah. You know? Right. Especially with the punching through the walls and we're putting things through our hands. It's Blade Runner. Yeah, but that's a robot, man. Like, we're talking about, this is like, you know, this it's is a, a person. Yeah, this is a slasher this movie. Is a, this yeah, this is, this, yeah, this is a, without a robot, yeah. This is a fat, sweaty <laughs> old dude. <laughs> this is an M.M. Walsh slasher movie. This is why I don't this understand, is a like, old uh, man. <laughs> Roger and Ebert, when they were, would they give movies like this, like, I think, didn't Ebert, like, give this, like, a glowing review? And then we'll sit yeah. there and, like, yeah. shit on slasher movies at the same time and, like, Ebert, don't you see? They're the same! They're the same! The same thing goes right over his head, man. Drives no, me man, crazy. Porn, porn's <laughs> different, bro. Can't you know? It's, it's, too, it's too, it's too sensational. But I will say, like the middle of Act Two, going into Act Three, I was super fucking bored. Like all of the shit of them, like figuring out the oh no, like sh- he he died and she killed him, but she didn't kill him, but maybe he's not actually dead and all the blah blah blah. I was like. Oh my god, I'm feeling the length. This is an hour and a half? What? Oh, this is so long. But then as soon as fucking M.M. at Walsh shows up on the scene again, I'm like, I'm fucking invested. I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, I care about the shit that's happening. While they're in the fucking field and that, like, 12 minutes of no dialogue, whatever the bullshit fuck that long scene is, like, I, I was I was a little bit bored. That felt, that felt long. Well, there is a long time without talking. And just like Tarantino... They they can handle sequences without dialogue, but yeah. it's just not their bread and butter, man. You know, they're just better with characters talking. Yeah, I, yeah. They yeah. can do action yeah. scenes, but like we need characters also conversating, and we need information coming out of characters' mouths and funny shit happening. Because they're good at conveying information through dialogue without it feeling like exposition. Like for the most part, they get that across pretty well, but. Man, the middle of this movie just fucking drags. Is that just me? Even the first time you saw it? I only saw it once. Oh, okay. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do think it drags, but that's my common complaint with Coen Brothers movies is that, like, at some point, you're just like, why are we still here? (laughs) That, uh, 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 yeah, I have to agree with that for sure. I think the first time I realized that was when was in Lady Killers. I was like, I am not intrigued in continuing to watch Tom Hanks do the same thing we've yeah. seen him do for the last 40 minutes. Like, yeah. why is the movie not moving on? I'm confused. Yeah, I feel like like there's so much that is technically correct. And I guess everything that's happening needs to happen. Does it, though? But it, I guess so. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you're just like... Can we wrap it up? <laughs> like, yeah. what is yeah. going on? And so, yeah, I felt that way about this movie. But, like, yeah, when you look at it, you're like, well, what, what would you cut? And <sighs> Three minutes, apparently. 
Three minutes, yes. Three minutes. <laughs> Could you imagine if they had left that in? It would have been unbearable. Oh, God, yeah. It would have been an, an insult, <laughs> oh, what a, right? What a dragging three <laughs> minutes that would have been. No, but I did also think it was over two hours. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because when I went back to uh, rewatch it, uh, a, a second time, I was like, I was like, let me like make sure I have enough time to do this. And then I was like, wait, it's only an hour now. <laughs> oh, right. I've got time to make tea. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> While half of the movie happens and you won't miss anything. Hey, oh. <laughs> well, but you will. Bad, you'll, you'll miss everyone <laughs> making terrible decisions without talking about it. Like. Oh, so the entire miss. movie. Yeah, that's the whole point of the movie, I think, is to communicate. Ray, with what happened, Ray? It don't matter what happened. <laughs> God damn it, Ray. Just fucking tell me what happened. I feel like it should matter what happened. I mean, Do I need on. to throw a paper it's, at your head? It seems like it matters a lot to you. <laughs> and even when he tells her he was still alive when he buried him, she didn't believe him. Because the other guy was like, no, he's not dead. Come on now. You're being silly. Because she thinks it's him at the end. Oh, yeah. She thinks, uh, yeah, it's Marty. Yep. That's when you get that great laugh from the cowboy. I see him. I'll be sure to tell him or whatever the fuck he says. Yeah, that good way to end line. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I love him looking up at the uh, the water drop, getting ready to uh, hit him in the forehead or eye. Or also, wherever. different location. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but you know what? They had wait, to though, because how else would you shoot the exteriors of that uh, when they, when they're fucking around outside of uh, the window? How else would you shoot that? You have to build that in a set. Yeah. You know, but no, no, that, that that sink they put in one of their guys like living rooms and just kind of set it up. Oh, you're shot. talking about that. I'm talking about like the yeah, the whole. Yeah, out. I was talking about the last shot. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And that, that shot, that shot where he leans out the window and looks down. Uh, apparently, it's one of the guys. Uh, it's it's their parents like window at their house. They just kind of like open the window <laughs> and like set the camera out there and shot. It. I was like, that works. <laughs> But it does. I mean, filmmaking doesn't have to be this horrible, complicated thing where everything has to be exactly perfect. I mean, right, sometimes, yep, yep, I mean, yep. we all say like, wow, like they, it's amazing that they did this so cheaply and it's their first time. But sometimes that's where the magic comes from is from what you're just trying to figure it out. And how can we make this work? And that, it, I mean, it more than works. That That's what makes the movie, you know? Oh, yeah. No, that's that's what makes movies yeah. Is is the context of A plus B equals a totally different C. And like the fact that these guys can recognize that I can put the sequence together and then be in a totally different location. But the implication still gets the emotional point across mm -hmm. and the fucking audience buys it. That's why these guys are so fucking brilliant. That's why they've made a dozen movies that are always oscar nominated and always like sought after like that's what makes the coen brothers the coen brothers is that they know this is gonna fucking work and then they do it i have a lot of respect for that yeah i actually think i was i was thinking like the flexibility of directors is really important but it's not it's not that because i think on the one hand you have to maintain your vision because everyone yeah. can try and tell you to change your mind absolutely but you do have to be flexible in how it gets done and i mm. think that is what we're really seeing here and i think that's what you lose as you get older because you're like no well, i'll just get more money and do it exactly this way and mm. and why it, does it add anything? Because I don't think it does. And in fact, I think when you become a prick and you make everyone, you know, do certain things and you need more money and like like that's I actually think takes away from it. Yeah, I see that because there's a scrappiness to this movie yeah. that I kind of love a lot. 
That, uh, yeah, that, that I, I said it almost derisively a couple times of like what what film school nerd is trying to knock off the Coen brothers by making this movie. But that is the joy of this film is that it's like, no, we're going to go we're going to go out and fucking make something and we're going to do it with very little money and very little resources. And we're going to find ways to cut the shit together so that you 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 get the Coen brothers vision through every frame of this movie. We talk so much on this podcast about fucking tone, and these guys know how to make tone work, and they do it with every scent that they put on in front of the camera. Yeah, because there are some things, sure, that could be better, uh, and yes, more money would help, but at the same time, there are things that make this movie work because they don't have money. Absolutely. They could only learn but so much from Sam Raimi, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what size was the wood supposed to be that we put the camera on before we run around with it? It's a two by four. <laughs> <laughs> two guys on either side, right? Yeah, just run. It works. Oh, my goodness. Yep, you're right, Brian. Your thought. Are we at ratings? We are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, who's who's rating blood simple first? How simple is this blood? Everybody's just looking down. Um, I know Radio Land can't see that. So uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going first. Um, uh, it's kind of hard not to give it a 10. I'm going to give it a 10. It's somebody's first movie. Uh, it's a really good first movie. When you're following in the uh, the vein of, uh, of Alfred Hitchcock and uh, Orson Welles with his film noirs, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard, I think, to make thrillers engaging and uh, – and it, it memorable, make make them stand out from stuff that you've seen. I think they, they think they successfully did it. I'm not in love with all the the camera movements here. I like most of them, like the one on the bar when we're going over top of the guy. I fucking hate that. That is the most like showy, like film school fucking shit. I just fucking hate. I just don't like it. Like I would have liked that shot to go through the guy. And then, like, that would have blown my brain, would have been like, oh, you know, like, wow, how, what happened? What, what, what did they get? And, you know, you just put it on a long lens, and he just, you know, when the lens passes it, he just moves the fuck out of the way. That's fine. And, you know, it, it, that's also a cool, impressive shot. And, uh, you know, I, it accomplishes the same thing. And I'm not thinking about <laughs> the cameraman hoisting that fucking crane up in the middle of the scene. Because that's what happens. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, let's go over this guy. And that's, what, that's I don't know. It just takes you out of the movie. Outside of that. Yeah, um, I felt that. Yeah, no, it, it's a 10. I mean, like, even the score, you know. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about the score. Yeah, dude. Very, we tried. Very simple. Uh, Carter uh, Burwell, I think he did, like, almost all the Coen Brothers movies, or, or most of them. Yeah. You know? Um, it's got a nice, good theme to it. Carries well. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably the acting is probably the weakest thing in the entire movie. But again, the bad the villains are still so good. It's just Francis McDormand and John Gitz are just they don't really have a lot to do but just sit around and look like dumbstruck and amazed at shit. And that's it. That's all they got to do. Anyway, ten. Who's going next? You may think that that, that the camera stuff's a little like. Um film school but that it, this is film school for them because they're learning but what's really cool is that they actually pulled off a lot of it and it's actually really cool and i think that's what makes this film endearing to me because overall the story is kind of simple right and, and and a lot even even the motivations in the middle we're like what the fuck why don't you just fucking talk to each other what the fuck's going on like a lot of this wouldn't have happened so it's an excuse to do interesting camera stuff with other people's money so why not 
Uh, yeah, I'll also give it a 10. Uh, I'm very shocked with how good this movie actually is. Um, I'm not sure I'll make it a regular watch, but I'm happy that I did see it. Uh, and always remember, end strong. Uh, I'm going to say that you guys are, are giving it more points than it probably deserves because of how impressively strong the ending is. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I have to give it a lot of points for the impressively strong ending because I, I slasher films are the best and, films. We know Mike. I, I <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, but for serious un, until Emmett Walsh, M Emmett Walsh is, is shows up at their fucking apartment and is about to shoot them with a goddamn sniper scope. The camera angle, like up until that point, I was like, "This movie's like a six. Like, I mean, it's it's pretty good. It has obvious characters that do obvious things. That like some of it, some of it is interesting. Some of it's executed well. Some of it is homage well. Um, but for the most part, it's just like, yeah, no, none none of these people are attractive. None of these people are are. I don't care about any of these characters. I don't want to root for any of these characters. But they're all terrible people doing terrible things. That is interesting to see them do it." The finale that the way that they they bring it all together, I think, is is what solidifies the Coen brothers to have deserved to make more movies that they obviously deserve to make because they do know how to take very mundane situations and turn them into something that is that is relatably interesting because everyone has mundane situations and everyone has like these terrible moments where you're like, God, you know what would make this whole thing interesting? If they just fucking died. <laughs> the Coen brothers are like, I can make a movie about that. And I do kind of low-key love that. Um, I enjoy watching them learn on screen with other people's money. <laughs> As well you should. <laughs> yeah, always other people's money. I always, even love in the always. interview, they were they're like, we don't even think about like you know making sure that people get their money back no absolutely I mean, try, try not, not no. to think about that that's that's just not like, just, that's not how movie investment works we're, we're, we're doing our thing <laughs> um they do it half the time I, I, you know <laughs> that's good enough yeah that's good you enough. might make your money back i think i enjoyed this movie more than i expected to but uh, it, it also it felt like a a first movie going outing that being said it it did feel impressive for a directorial debut like I've, I feel like we've seen a fair amount of directorial debuts on this podcast, and I personally have, have seen enough that that this feels impressive f- for not only what they became in the subsequent films, but for what you see exhibited in this kind of movie. I, I don't, I don't feel like there's often this much like, yes, these people are fucking great at all of these things, as well as this movie executed. I don't think it's a perfect film. I don't think it deserves a 10. I want to give it a 10 just for the sake of, like, these guys are great, but they've made a lot fucking better movies than this. This is a really solid 8.5. You see Frances McDormand at the beginning of her career. She's fucking fantastic. She's cuter than I expected. She's... (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. She does not grow into her beauty. She's great in 1984. Way to go, Joel. You got someone great early, and you stuck with it. Fantastic. Way to go, everybody. (laughs) Super solid outing. Super solid. Worth watching. Uh, It's an an 8.5. 8.5. All right. Two tens and an 8.5. Kristen, what say you? All right. uh, I I generally agree that... uh, you guys are giving this extra points just because it's the Coen brothers uh, mm-hmm. and it's their first movie. And that's fine, I guess. You get a first okay. movie bump? Come on. Sure. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, I, I'll <laughs> give it a little bit of a bump because I didn't hate it. So um, that's always good. Um, 
and in fact, like I, I enjoyed is a strong word, but I didn't. Yeah, this was <laughs> I enjoyed parts of this movie, and uh, yeah, I think I, I do think it was really interesting to watch this because the t- yes, the tone is so good. The story is interesting. I think everyone is stupid and uh, awful, and I don't really feel bad for anyone. And in fact, like if they if they even made better choices, I I would be like, okay, I'm gonna I'll pick you, I guess, to root for. But no, <laughs> no one makes good choices. Nah. <laughs> um, and and yes, it is only when this becomes a slasher movie that all of a sudden you're like, wait, what's going on? Let me watch. <laughs> let me pay attention here. I care again. Oh, that's a strong <laughs> word. I don't know that I care again, but. It's visually interesting. Mm, yeah, okay. Okay, okay. I see that. I give it that. Yep. And yeah, I like M Emmett Walsh. I said his name. Uh the cowboy is the is by far the most entertaining person. I enjoyed even when he's not on screen and you just hear his little voice off screen. Oh, That's the great. best part. That's the best he's part. Great. Of the movie. He's good in everything he does. Uh yeah, it's it's like Blade Runner. And I I do appreciate, though, <laughs> the scrappiness of this. Brian, we're not on that movie. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I do appreciate the scrappiness of this. I actually like that it looks like people just kind of came together and were like, let's make this no matter what. I think that is the best part of the movie for me because they did a good job overall. Yes, there are things that could be better. Yes, there are things that hopefully they learn with time. Yes, there are things that could be solved with money. But overall, uh, I think that grittiness is what I enjoyed the most. Mm. And so I will give it a bump because it's the first movie. And um, anyway, I'll I'll give it an eight. An eight! That was a bump? You know, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, that was a bump. (laughs) (laughs) Fair and appropriate. Kristen said I was I was kind of entertained. I, I kind of cared. No, not really. But you know. Yeah, but I didn't. But I kind of. I mean, it was an hour and a half that felt like uh, over two hours, and that's okay. Um, that's how Coen Brothers movies work. I know this yeah. going in, yeah. and but it was still only an hour and a half. So like, that's fantastic. I enjoyed that when I realized that a lot. As long as you rate it higher than you did the Matrix movies. I, I did. I think I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. I appreciate that. <laughs> there were a lot of fan motifs in this movie. So, you know, we did get something from Blade Runner. <laughs> Actors and ideas. No, the, the, the top-down shots with the fans. Maybe the entire ending. Like and they were like, hey, what if Sam yeah. Raimi directed Blade Runner? <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys. <laughs> We can do this, Barry. right? We can do this. <laughs> He's a Ethan, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You got any uh, rotten tomatoes look for us there, Mr. Jerry? You know what? I do. Brutally violent and shockingly funny. In equal measure, Blood Simple offers early evidence of the Coen brothers' twisted sensibilities and filmmaking integrity. Hmm. Hmm. Integrity? Huh. Hmm. I think it says hmm. uh, ingenuity. I'm an idiot. Uh, okay. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. I, I, I should have read it before I read it. 
<laughs> I was like, what the fuck is that person this, writing? <laughs> the integrity this is the of shit films. I'm here for. <laughs> the Coen brothers are bringing integrity back to movies. Before that, it was Spielberg <laughs> making all this pop. Sorry. Rotten Tomatoes certifies Blood Simple as fresh with a 94% tomato meter with an audience score of 88%. Not bad. Okay. Kind of fa- falling in line a little bit there with uh, with Mike and Kristen. Okay. Oh, oh, oh the accurate assessments. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Always rate higher the first time. Uh, this fair, movie made fair. me feel like, feel like you know, I was like, I got a little filmmaking bug out of it just because of everything that they went through and how creative they were. To oh, no, absolutely. Done. So, yeah, that is no, so man, incredibly I, I, accurate and worth being excited for. Like this, yeah. this is the shit that that indie filmmaking is 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 and for and all of the things. Yes, absolutely. May any of our little shitty films that we make be anywhere close to this fucking tone tone for days. Absolutely. Here, here. Here's the tone. What are, we, what are we doing next week? Are we, are we going to be able to fit in? I think we're going to be able to fit no in one country. more Coen Brothers movie. You want to do No Country? Is that the one we decided on? Is that the one? Or, you know, Miller's Crossing. I've never seen that one. No, I mean, oh, wait. Well, didn't we talk There's about Barton's of... Fink also? Is that the Barton Fink? Barton, Barton Fink. Fink. Yeah, we're not going to have time. I don't know if we're going to have time to do. We only got like one more for January because... Uh, you know, I got sick. Let's watch and one that's good. It snowed. <laughs> watch one that's good. All right. Yeah, no country. Or, or I, I don't know. Fargo's good, too. And Miller's Crossing. I haven't good. seen Fargo, either. So ah, which like one? Pick Fargo or no country? Just pick one. Just pick one. Oh, they're all good. Okay, listeners, you can dial in. You go, go ahead and call us at 901. <laughs> no. Uh, I, don't want to, I, I, I don't want the responsibility uh, of picking. God damn it! I I'm, I I feel low key excited for No Country, but I've only seen it once, and I just feel like I remember it being kind of boring. But I was also like impressed it's, by it it's visually. Long and, yeah, and that's great. how they all work, Mike. Uh, yeah, I know. And Did that's you not why listen I'm to like, <laughs> Which which one is gonna is gonna have less boring moments and more? Yeah, exciting which one moments? has which one's less boring? What do you guys think? Uh, Barton <laughs> Fink is more existential and interesting. Fargo's from that oh, Fargo's then I the like best that one. I vote of... for Barton Fink. Fargo is definitely I've heard from many people that it is the best. I've also only I've also only seen most of their DP. movies once. I mean, we're we're talking about fucking deacons for all of these, so I'm okay. I know that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, either way, <laughs> we'll be happy with uh, with the production. All right, so we may do uh, No Country for Old Men. <laughs> we may do Barton Fink. Who knows? You know, we it, may do Fargo. Maybe do Fargo. Yeah, that's right. It's a Coen Brothers yeah. mystery. You should watch all We could do Fargo, and then we can get into the TV series too. No, no fuck off. Ryan will leave so goddamn fast. If radio in, if you could see his face, the right spinoff now. podcast, <laughs> that, 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 the TV that's crew. The movie crew after dark. The, yeah, the TV the, crew. The, the spinoff podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Movie Crew After Dark, where we only do movies that have become TV shows. Without Brian. I'll show it for the Dukes of Hazard crossover episode. No, you gotta, you gotta do that Bill and Ted TV series. <laughs> what? That was a TV series? It was, it was animated. Oh Amazing. Oh my goodness. Oh, Oh, and uh, also too, uh, listener request month is uh, February. So February. Yeah, get those uh, requests in. So with that, uh, you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. And if you want to send those requests, get in contact with us, you can do so by sending us an email to moviecrewpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, that's also known as X now, and Instagram. That kind of slid right off, right? It just totally, yeah. you guys, it worked. yeah. It totally Smoked. worked. Yeah, Smoked. you're good. Yeah. It's not just like keep you can't take another take or anything. Just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. That's also at Movie Crew Pod. Uh, Jared, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at checkthegate. 
it really, the way you said that sounds <laughs> like there was something else. There, there could be. There could yeah, have there been could other be. things. Yeah. And yeah, the world, the world has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear that, Brian? The winds of change. <laughs> Gregs, where can they find you? I'm on Instagram at Griggsy Media. That's G-R-I-G-G-S-Y Media. And Christine, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Kristen Magdalene. That's Kristen with a K and an I. And you guys can find me on Twitter X at uh, Elkins Edits. And uh, we're going to close out the show tonight. We're going to do track number eight from the Blood Simple soundtrack. Uh, or the deluxe edition Blood Simple soundtrack, sorry. Um, and this is from Carter Burkwell. This is titled uh, Blood Simpler. It is simpler. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs>